Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to Living the Dream with Curveball, a podcast where I interview guests that will teach, motivate, and inspire you to stop at nothing to fulfill your dream. Today, I am joined by a special guest. She is a singer, a songwriter, a drummer, the band leader of the Brunetti Band. Teddy Brunetti has seen it all as a touring drummer with multiple national and international acts. So we're going to be talking about that. Among other things, we're also going to be talking about the new project that she has coming out and how she got started in music. So, Teddy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to be with you today, Curtis. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a bit of background about yourself? Well, I'm a Pittsburgh girl, born and raised in Pittsburgh. And I've kind of lived my life in stages. Here in Pittsburgh, growing up, I'm the oldest of 10 children, which is kind of unusual, I guess, and uh, especially nowadays. My parents, uh, when they retired, they met as actors, and then they had a family. They went to New York and tried to make it as actors, knew they wanted to have a big family, so... Uh, they knew that wasn't the place to have it. World War II interfered there. My dad's a World War II vet. He's 93 years old. I had lunch with him today, so that's why he's on my mind, I guess. So uh, they decided to have a, a family, and they knew they wanted to have a big family, so they stayed in Pittsburgh, raised us kids, and then when they retired, they went back to acting, which was great, and they did a lot of local theater and things here. Uh, so I had that artistic background in my family. I, uh, all three of my brothers have fine arts degrees. I, my first instrument was guitar because I'm 68 years old. So uh, back in those days, when I asked to play the drums, they told me no, because it was a boy's instrument. So I asked for the next, what I thought was the next best thing, and that was guitar. And they went along with that and they actually bought me a guitar and I took lessons and um, I was pretty good at it. But drums was always my passion instrument. But I don't regret the way things the way that worked out for me, because now I write my music on guitar. I write all my music for my songs on guitar. You know, I have I have that background. So that's a lot of drummers don't have a like a melodic harmonic instrument in their uh, arsenal like I do. So that's helped me out quite a bit. I started writing songs in grade school. As soon as I got that guitar, every time I'd learn a new chord, I'd write a new song. And one of my best girlfriends, she got, talked her parents into getting her a guitar. And I would teach her these songs that I would write about our little seventh and eighth grade classmates. <laughs> and we were like the rock stars of our class back then we'd go to all the parties and we'd play and sing the songs and that's how I got started in music but I knew I wanted to play drums 
and I started playing drums in high school. Uh, we moved, my family moved. We had a, we moved and changed school districts the summer before I started high school. So when I went to this new school district to sign up for classes, I told them I wanted to be in the band and that I played the drums. Mind you, I'd never touched a drum, all right? I just knew I could play it. It was one of those things I just knew, you know? So I feel like it's a gift now when I look back on it. Went into the high school band and uh, the boys were all lined up in the back with the drums and I went and stood next to them. And of course I was the new kid and uh, the uh, lead drummer, he said to me, uh, you're a drummer? I said, yeah. He says, huh. He handed me a pair of sticks and he said, okay, play rat-a-tat-a-tat. And I played rat-a-tat-a-tat. He says, okay, you can play. Now go stand down there at the end. Maybe we'll let you play triangle. And I thought, you got to be kidding. And the band director, he, he, he was such a nice man, Mr. Ugello. He must have seen what was going on. And he said to me, don't worry, honey. You'll get your chance to play the drums. And I thought, well, okay. And then and right at that second, I thought to myself, I'm going to go take drum lessons and I'm going to be better than all these guys. So I had a job working at a fried chicken place after school. And I took my money, got on a bus, went to the local mall, signed up for drum lessons and just fell in love with it. Fell in love with drum technique, fell in love with playing the drums. And I ended up getting a scholarship for snare drumming to go to college at Eastern Kentucky University with Dr. Uh, Donald Cooper down, out, down there in Kentucky. Of course, I was a rock musician. And back in the early 70s, this is like I graduated high school in 1970. So, um, yeah, I've been around the block. If you were a rock drummer, you had to keep it a secret. So rock drummer, rock and roll was a dirty word in a music school. It, is, it still is for in some music schools, but um, especially back then. And so I went to college for a few years and um, ended up going on the road uh, with a rock and roll band, dropped out of school, went on the road. That's where I met my husband. He was the guitar player in the band. But my dream was always to go to New York and try to make it in the music business. And so fell in love with this guitar player fellow and we decided okay, we're going to go, we're going to do it. So we went, we got married and we went to New York. We didn't know anyone. And that was quite an experience. And it was very exciting in the uh, 70s and 80s in New York City. There was a real uh, artist, starving artist community there. And everybody knew each other. All the, a lot of the musicians who played, we play, all played the same clubs. And we all did multiple projects. You know, I had my own band. I played with other bands. And it, it was a very exciting time to be in New York. And we were lucky enough to um, move into a building on um, 30th Street uh, called the Music Building. And it was kind of an iconic building. It was 12 floors of music, you know, and you could play 24-7. And it was kind of like the Music Building slash drugstore. Yeah, it was, it was a wild time. And... I ended up 
they, one thing led to another. I played with some recording acts. I played with uh, the B-Girls. Mick Jones from The Clash uh, produced uh, an EP for us, and, and I wrote for that band. So I wrote one of the songs that uh, we recorded with Mick. That was a very happy time. Let's see, who else did I play with in New York? I played with a lot of people. Deborah Herrick from Blondie also produced that band. And, and they sang on uh, a couple of the Blondie albums, background vocals, the B-Girls did. But uh, like I said, I lived my life in stages. So that was all being single. And eventually I put my own band together, started playing the clubs, and I got an angel. I, I wrote a song called Tattooed Women. And nobody had tattoos back then, by the way. I mean, nobody. It was like a few uh, prisoners who have those prison tattoos. There were uh, sailors who have those anchor kind of tattoos, if you know what I'm talking about. Some people in the East Village, and I was one of them. I caught a lot of hell for that tattoo that I have. It's Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> people, people used to tell me, oh, I'll, when you get older, your grandkids are going to be saying, Give me a dollar and, and we'll go sit and I'll let you go see my grandma's tattoo because it was like a freak show for them back then, for, especially for a woman to have a tattoo. But anyway, so I, I had my band and um, I had the song Tattooed Women and this one tattooed woman started following my band. And I noticed her and we got, I got to know her a little bit. I would talk to her because she came to all of our gigs. One night she came up to me and she said, would you like to record an album? And I thought, yeah, of course. She says, because my boyfriend is an, an angel. She says, he backs artists financially and their projects. He supports, you know, he supported some painters and, and musicians. And, and, and I, th I think he'll give you the money to do an album if you'd like to record an album. And I thought, wow, that's wonderful. So um, one thing led to another and this, this guy got in touch with me and I, and this is the wild thing about it. I don't know his name. I never met him. You know, I just love this guy though, because that first album of mine, the tattooed women album, I've gotten so much joy over the years from it. It's still viable. It still holds water. Sony the Orchard, they want to put it out after, and we're going to, we're going to release it after I release my new album, The Queen of Pittsburgh. Well, speaking summer. of The Queen of Pittsburgh, <laughs> I saw in your bio that you call yourself The Queen of Pittsburgh. Tell us, first of all, why you call yourself The Queen of Pittsburgh and how your band, the Brunetti Band, got formed. Yeah, it's, uh, well, the Queen of Pittsburgh. I really don't call myself the Queen of Pittsburgh. People, people don't realize that because nobody's heard the song yet. But my producer, one of my producers, uh, Dean Sargent, uh, my two producers, Dean Sargent and Mike Hennigan, they were coming to Pittsburgh. They live in the Poconos. They're like six hours away. So Dean produced my first album, that Tattooed Women album. And so we, I didn't even know if he was alive. I hooked up with his wife on Facebook 
about four years ago. Dean and I, they were making a trip across country and they stopped in Pittsburgh and it was like old home week. We were all old friends again. And we just loved working together on the first album. And I told Dean, you know, I'm thinking about recording again. And he said, let's do it. And he was in semi-retirement because we're about the same age. And people try to get him to produce them all the time. But, you know, I feel pretty lucky that he likes me. <laughs> so he came out of retirement uh, to work with me. And so when they came here to Pittsburgh, Dean and Mike, they stayed with us. We have a loft in the, the strip district of Pittsburgh. It's kind of downtown. We have a beautiful view of the city skyline. And we took them for a tour around Pittsburgh. And I just love my city. On their way back to the Poconos, I get a call from Dean and he said, I have a song. I have an idea for a song because we were thinking of material, getting material together for this new album. He said, it's called the Queen of Pittsburgh. And I thought, uh oh, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know if I want to, you know. I don't think I'm the queen. People are going to think I think I'm the queen of Pittsburgh or something. And I don't, he said, no, it's kind of funny. You know, the queen, you're not the queen of England. It's not the queen of England. And, and the line in the song is, I won't stop kicking ass until they make me the queen of Pittsburgh. I just want to be the queen of Pittsburgh. All right. I love my city. I've seen a change, seen soot from a blast furnace, acid rain. Uh, you know, lines like that in that song. And it's about my city. It's about, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up until they make me the queen of Pittsburgh. So I'm not really saying I am the queen of Pittsburgh. It's just that I just want to play my songs at all the clubs and be, you know, and hope they make me the queen of Pittsburgh. So it's kind of like tongue in cheek. I don't really believe I'm the queen of anything really, but. It's fun. It's fun. And it's bold. I didn't want I didn't really want to call the album that. I mean, I thought, oh, people, you know, because local people, oh, she thinks she's the queen of Pittsburgh. Well, that's kind of funny. You know, I don't think I'm the queen of Pittsburgh, but it's. As far as marketing goes, I mean, it's catchy and it's catching on. And, you know, if someone's going to be the queen of Pittsburgh, it may as well be me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, tell us how you formed the Bernetti Band. Tell us how you guys got together and formed. Yeah, well, uh, my band right now consists of my husband, Jim Mason, on lead guitar. Dean Sargent, he plays accessory guitar. Mike Hennigan, my other producer, he's the bass player. And actually, just, recent, just recently, in the last few weeks, uh, I've been in touch with Harry Silver, who was the keyboard player on my first album in New York City. He, he's still there. He lives in Queens and he's going to work with us again. So I've got the old, I got the old crew back. They're fabulous musicians. Fab, just they we're all on the same page musically and we all love each other. And I feel like um, it's a really nice place to be at this stage of my life. And, and having a second chance at a music career to play with people that you feel are family is fantastic. And as a matter of fact, 
our son, our youngest boy, I have two boys, our youngest son, James, he plays guitar, bass, and drums, and he plays the hell out of them. And he played um, on, on the Queen of Pittsburgh song, actually. There's a father-son guitar solo. My husband, Jim, plays He's the king of the lyrical, iconic guitar solos. And then our son, James, comes in on the second half of the solo and just blows it up with his wild guitar playing. He's just a fabulous musician. So it's, you know, I, I got to do a lot of things on this album that... Um, I've that over the years, because I got out of the music business for 20 years to raise my kids. I, I did uh, cardiac and vascular ultrasound. My husband was an auditor. So we had become the people we used to make fun of, you know, but music was always our passion and we wanted to get back to it. We retired about eight years ago and got back to playing again. And uh, here we are today. We have uh, an album coming up. It's, it's been a real wonderful time in my life i gotta say well before we talk about that album or when it's coming out let's talk about i know you've been on tour with multiple national and international acts tell us about that experience with the acts and tell us some of the people that you have worked with and what that was like well the very first national act that i worked with was eloise laws she's a beautiful lady and a, a wonderful singer. And she has uh, a pedigree of the Laws family. Her brother, Hubert Laws, is a jazz flautist. Years in the, he's, he's a musician's musician. He would win the uh, Downbeat Flute Awards every year. And he's the kind of guy who can play a, a Montreux Jazz Festival one week and then play with a symphony orchestra somewhere the next week. And he's really a tremendous musician. And then she has another brother, a younger brother, Ronnie Laws. And he had a lot of like smooth jazz kind of funky albums out, that kind of stuff in, uh, I guess in the eighties and nineties. And uh, so he was a fabulous musician. And what happened was I was in a, a, a show band and Eloise had the same manager. And this manager knew that I uh, went to college, so he knew I could read music. And she was looking for a drummer, and she didn't want like a stage band drummer. She wanted um, a rock and roll drummer. So I got the gig. I mean, the guy from the Johnny Carson show back in the day, who his the, the arranger for uh, Doc Severinsen's orchestra did all her arrangements. I mean, because she has this pedigree, you know. And I've got to work with some really outstanding musicians and, and tour. I, we tour, we went, we played quite a few gigs. That was an experience. I was in, I was, I think I would, I had just turned 21 and uh, I was pretty young and that was a New York city thing. So I had to go to New York from Pittsburgh and uh, the rehearsals and uh, oh my God, her, her background singers, they all ended up being like, playing with famous people. Priscilla Baskerville, she was, she ended up being a big star on Broadway. These women could sing. It, it was really an experience. And I played charts and we picked up like a big horn section, like a big band everywhere we went. It was a great experience. And then um, I also did, uh, when we moved to New York City, permanently, for well, semi-permanently, 
my husband and I, the first act that we played with was uh, the Impatlas. And that was Joe Speedo Frazier's uh, band. And they had one of the first million selling singles. It was called Sorry. I ran all the way home. So I, just to say I'm sorry. It was a little before my time, actually. Joe was um, a great guy. I mean, he, he was on the Ed Sullivan show. Eloise Laws was on, you know, she did stuff like Johnny Carson's show and things like that. But um, Joe, he, you know, at like 16 or something, he was on um, uh, the Ed Sullivan show. He had, some, he had some wild stories because he was a black man and no one knew he was black on the record. And they'd show up and they'd be a black act. And you can imagine, you know. People were surprised, you know, so he, but he was, he, he has passed away, but he's a, he was a very wonderful, such a uh, kind and, and gentle spirited man, you know, and, and it was a pleasure to know him and work with him. Who else did I work with? Uh, well, the Beagles, and they were kind of infamous, toured with the Clash. Like I said, they sang background vocals on uh, some Blondie albums. I also uh, played with uh, Carol McDonald, and her band was um, Isis, not the Isis we know today. Okay, Isis was actually a female goddess. Okay, so and she was on the Midnight Special, if you remember the Midnight Special, Atlantic recording artist. And uh, after Isis, that was an all female band, by the way. And those were, and she put a band together called Carol McDonald and Witch. And I was one of the witches. <laughs> it was all women. And we were, I think we were about 10 or 11 pieces. She had a horn section. She had keyboards, guitar, bass. I was the drummer. She was the front singer. And that was a, that was a heck of a band. And we, you know, we toured all over the country. You know, we went, we played in Michigan and Georgia, New York and uh, Santa Barbara, and we did women's festivals. And I really didn't know what I was getting into when I got into that band. But I, <laughs> I, they were, uh, it was kind of a political women's movement. They used to call me the, uh, the straight dyke in that band because I was, I was the only one who was heterosexual. I love playing in that band. And those were some of the best musicians I've ever worked with, with those women in that band. They were, they were great. Yeah. Carol's passed away too, unfortunately. She was a great role model, just the way she handled her business and her band. You know, I learned a lot working with her and I had a, I had a good time. So yeah, I got around a little bit. So let's talk about when your new album is coming out and let people know how they can get it and give out some contact information so people can connect with you and keep up with your music. Well, the new album, The Queen of Pittsburgh, the first single and video, and I pride myself on my videos also. I'm working with uh, BMHAC Production Company, and they're young men who... Um, have uh, graduated from uh, Rutgers Film School. And they are just, wait till you see this video. It's called Evil Woman. That's the song. It's the first release. It'll be coming out uh, May 25th, so soon. And that also has, like I said, this video with it. My songs tell stories. So it isn't your typical music video where people are lip syncing along, playing 
to the song. This is, I have a cast of characters telling the story of the song. And so I, I, think, I think it's gonna go good. I think the uh, public's really gonna like it. And so that drops uh, May 25th. And then the album, The Queen of Pittsburgh will come out on July 20th. And then we'll release another video after that. I'm about to start filming a, a second video. And I think I'm gonna do about five videos with this album because I really enjoy that whole process. It's a whole nother creative outlet for me. And you can find the album on all the streaming platforms. It's being released by uh, The Orchard. That's a Sony music company. It's the largest distributor of independent artists in the world. And I feel very fortunate to have run into Dan Malsh uh, from Soundmind uh, Music Works. He mixed a couple of the songs. He actually mixed the Evil Woman song, which is the first release, and he mixed the Queen of Pittsburgh song. And he mastered the album at his studio. And he's, it's through his label that um, I have the connection that he offered me this deal with the distribution through The Orchard. So um, it's quite a leg up for me. I have a website, teddybrunetti.com. If people would go to my website, teddybrunetti.com. And if they join my teddy bear club, it's my email list. They can keep up with me. They can see all the adventures we're doing. There's merchandise there if they want, you know, and it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm having a ball and I love uh, all my social media friends. I like to keep up with people and you can find me on Facebook, at Teddy Brunetti. And you can find me on Instagram at Teddy Brunetti Official. And um, I, love, uh, I love people and I love talking and I love talking with people. So I can't wait to get to meet more people through this. So it's, it's just been an adventure. And it's really been fun. Look, I got to meet you tonight, didn't I, Curtis? Absolutely. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us some acapella? A, a little bit of that evil woman song so people can kind of get a preview of what it sounds like. <laughs> really? <laughs> you don't have to be on Facebook. Everybody knows you're an evil woman from your head down to your toes. And you can hear the rest May 25th. Absolutely. So you guys be on the lookout for that album. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave with people? Maybe some words of encouragement if you have people out there that are trying to be singers or trying to make it in the industry or just for anybody in general. Sure. I, I, I think there's room for everyone. All right. So just keep, keep trying. Keep at it. Do what, do what you want to do in your heart of hearts. And good things will happen. There's room for everybody, especially today with the internet. So many opportunities. If you're trying to learn things, if there's anything I, that you think I can help you with, I might be able to give you a pointer or two. I, I just say, follow your heart. Follow your heart and follow your dreams because you never know what's going to happen. I made this album. We, we decided to record an album for our grandkids as a legacy. So they would think uh, when they look back, maybe when they're my age, they can look back and say, oh, my grandma and grandpa were pretty cool. 
so that's that was the impetus for us making this album. It you know it turned out that somebody heard it and liked it and said, "Let's release it," and it's and it's going to be released worldwide. So you never know what's going to happen in your life. I just say, stay with it. Don't give up. You know, you'll be led. You know, just try to be a vessel. That's what I do, and I let uh, the higher power, God, whatever kind of guide me and uh, and you'll know in your heart when it's right. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out Teddy's music, teddybrunetti.com. Teddy, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's been my pleasure, Curtis. I wish you the best. God bless you. You have a wonderful week. Same to you and listeners. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, Share and go pick up the new album after listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.